Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I'm going to preach a word called intercession, uh, intersection. Intercession, intersection. And, and I reckon it's going to bless you and help you here today. Um, first question, do we have any Argentinians here today? Good. All right, it's fantastic. Oh, it still hurts. We did well. Who got up and watched the soccer this morning? We, did a, we gave a pretty good effort, didn't we? Well done. All right, super. That's it. Uh, let's move on. Uh, last night, I had a, we had our first family Christmas do of the year. We had our cousin's Christmas. All the cousins on the Greenwood side got together, and we did something I've never done before. Who's done Kris Kringle before? Who's done Kris Kringle? And you, you buy a present, you put it in the middle, you can steal off one another. We did that, but we did one called Yankee Christmas Kringle. And what it is, is instead of buying a present, you give something in your house that you no longer want. So you go through like presents that someone gave you and things that are good, not good for you, and you give it away. Like for example, we had a stinky candle that someone gave us that we're like, oh, that looks nice, smelt it, rubbish, and gave it away. And if you're here wondering, oh, we gave them a candle, it wasn't you, someone from another church. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we also had a microwave which I've just been waiting for hard rubbish. It hasn't come around. So I just thought, I don't even know if it works, but we put it in there. Someone was pumped. It's a good way this Christmas, if you want to get rid of some stuff and look like you're being generous, Yankee Christmas Kringle. There you go. What has that got to do with my message? Nothing. I get distracted. Okay. Today, I want to help you. My gift to you is a gift that you can give to others. And I actually believe this is one of the best gifts you can give to others. And I'll show you what it is in a moment. And to get there, today, I want to teach you how to pray. And because if I actually believe if I were to survey most Christians and say, what area of faith would you like to grow in the most? If we were really honest, most of us want to become better prayers. Most of us want to grow in our prayer life. Most of us want to take a next step. And we're sometimes aiming so far down the road that we actually don't move forward in little steps. So I'm going to give you three quick tips on how to pray better. But my focus is not on the first two. They're just quick beginners to really get to where I want to help you today. So the first thing that when you pray, number one, when you pray, this is the Josh method. Think of Josh when you go to pray. Make it short and simple. Just like me. Short and simple. Prayers, I, I use someone else as the example in the first service and no one laughed, but when I make it about me, you all laugh. So there you go. Super, prayers are, make prayers short and simple. Sometimes we try to make prayers, we think the aim is to pray long. We think the aim is to pray complicated. We think the aim is to say the same thing over and over and over again until I've prayed long enough that I feel, yes, I spent a good amount, spent a good amount of time with God. I believe you can pray short and simple. Short and simple, regularly, would be better than long and long-winded, irregularly. So pray short and simple. If you wanna kickstart your prayer life, just know you can pray short and simple. The second step, which might sound contradictory, but it actually is very correct, is prayers are never ceasing. Prayers should be short and simple, and prayers should be never ceasing. Well, what do, what do I mean by that? I mean, be aware of him in every moment 
and then give him that moment. So when you wake up in the morning, you wake up and before you look at your phone to check out Instagram, nothing in the world's changed, but, but wake up and, and first go, God, thank you for a good night's sleep. Thank you that you've got a great day ahead. Pray that I'd be a blessing to others and you'd go with me. And then when you open the Word up and you sit for a moment at breakfast and eat your cornflakes, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through the Word today. Let it change me, reveal yourself to me. Then when you're taking the kids to school, you get in the car and say, kids, before you leave, let's just pray for a moment. And then we'll put on Planet Boom and listen to whatever you wanna listen to. But let's pray for a moment about your day. God, help them to make good friends, listen to their teacher, not get detention, not get injured, uh, not get cold at lunchtime to come pick them up in Jesus' name. Uh, then you pull into the office and you get before you get out of the car, God, I'm about to step in. Give me wisdom today. Help me to be an encouragement. Let me be a blessing to others. Then between meetings, okay, God, I'm going to my next meeting. Thank you for the last one. I just pray you give me peace. Uh, I struggle in this moment, so give me confidence and, and help me to have wisdom from heaven. As you're about to walk into your house at the end of a day, do an extra lap around the block. God, before I go in, let me throw off the things from the day. Let me bring joy and life into my home. Before the kids go to bed, God, I pray you bless my children. Help them to grow up loving you. Let them know most of all they're loved by you. Help them to have a good sleep and not disturb us. As you go to sleep, lay next to your husband or wife maybe. Uh, and it's important, if it's husband or wife, you, you, you say, hey, God, when you pray for your husband or wife, pray quick prayers. God, thank you for my wife. Bless her. Thank you for the blessing she is into my life. Let everything, let me be a better husband. Let her have a good night's sleep in Jesus' name. Amen. As you've fallen asleep, thank you, God. We got through that awkward prayer time together. That was good. Help me to rest. Help me to have a great day. Like you just, simple, consistent, never ceasing prayers where you're aware of God in every moment would be greater than to have just one long ongoing prayer at one point during the week. Does this help you today? Nice and simple. Now, here's the best gift you can give someone. And here's what I believe is the most powerful way to pray. And here's what I think people pray the least, but I actually think is the most releasing, freeing, Christ-like, powerful prayer that anyone can pray. Prayer should be short and simple. Prayer should be never ceasing. And prayer should be for others. Prayer should be for others. This is how we're meant to pray, not for just for you. Most of your prayers should be for others. And this is actually the prayer I believe people pray the least. A prayer for others is called intercession. Intercession. In our church, we've got a group called the Intercessors. My aim today is to not just have a group of intercessors, but all of us should be intercessors. You see, when I have a prayer need, when I'm struggling, when I'm sick, when we need a breakthrough, I go to the intercessors and they will pray for someone that's sick. They'll pray for someone that has a need. They'll pray for the church. Now, often people think they could never be an intercessor because we believe to be an intercessor means you have to be someone that can pray for a very long time. And that's not me. I'm someone that likes to get to the point. There's two groups of people. There's people that like to get to the point and there's people that like to, you know, beat around the bush. Who's a get to the point person? Who's a beat around the bush person? If you don't know which one you are, you are a beat around the bush person. <laughs> I like to get it done. 
I like when someone tells me a story to get to the point. When there's a problem, I just wanna get to the solution. And I used to think an intercessor was someone that could pray for a very long time, and that wasn't me. But that's not what intercessor prayer is. What intercessory prayer is, is merely being aware of the need, the weakness, the lack or the circumstances of another person and intervening on their behalf in prayer. It's believing for them and praying for them. I mean, let me give you an example of what interceding is, just practically. This week or in the last month, we became aware of a whole number of kids in South Australia that weren't gonna get a present this Christmas. And we went, I can do something about that. I'm going to intercede and buy a present, believing that that is going to change their circumstances. Simply today, by realizing you can help, you have become an intercessor. You have interceded for a kid that you may never meet. Does that make sense? Let me give you another example. In 2004, Shana then Beezy saw a struggling, single, destined never to get a girl, awkward, skinny guy that had long bleached hair and, and, and like cheetah-like spots on his hair. It was straightened and awkward. He didn't know really how to talk to a girl and she sacrificed her life to take me from the miry clay and set me on a higher ground. She came and interceded my life and made me her husband and gave me a better life. Shans is an intercessor and I'm grateful to her for it. I mean, I was about to move to England with my friends and go to the Germany Soccer World Cup. It would have been a horrible life. No, this is way better. This is way better. No, she interceded my life and made everything better. We're all called to be intercessors. Maybe you're not really getting this. Let me explain it this way. We're called to pray for others. It's called intercession. Another word you might be more familiar with that is very similar in meaning is intersection. Intersection. Let's say you're driving down the road one day and all of a sudden you're headed to one destination and you come across an intersection. It's where a road comes and intersects the road that you were going on. And now you have the possibility of taking another road that leads you to a completely different destination. It's called an intersection. I was heading to one destination and because of an interjecting intersection, I suddenly entered into another destination, another pathway. I mean, this is what Jesus did for us. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, he bore the sin of many and made, read it with me, intercession for the transgressors. What does it mean? It means that Jesus came and interceded my life. There was an intersection where I was headed for hell. I am a sinner. I fell short. I didn't have the strength to save my own life. I didn't have the ability to turn my life around. I didn't have the grace and goodness to be a better person. But Jesus came to earth and he intersected the destination that I was going to. And I was headed to hell. Yet Jesus came and he gave me a new road, a new pathway. And all of a sudden now, I'm destined for heaven. 
all of a sudden he came as an intercessor, intercession for my sin and he gave me a new destination. Maybe you learnt it this way. We were headed towards a chasm and we were going to fall into this chasm because of sin. But Jesus came and as the intercessor, he became an intersection. He became the bridge that took me over that chasm and led me to Jesus. Jesus is my intercessor that connects me to God, amen? So let me show you something. Not only did Jesus intercede with my sin and salvation, but this is actually what God is doing now. Jesus is interceding for you and me right now. Let me show you something. What does the Holy Spirit pray for? Does the Holy Spirit even need to pray? Is he praying to himself? What does it look like? Well, let me show you first. It's found in Romans chapter eight, verse 26 to 27. It says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What does the Holy Spirit pray for? Not himself, the Holy Spirit prays for others. The Holy Spirit prays for you and for me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us bringing our requests to the throne room of God where we cannot physically go. So he takes your needs, your weakness, your lack, the things that you need, and he intercedes in your behalf, and he says, I'll take them to the throne room of God where you cannot physically go. So then who's at the throne room? Let's keep going on. That was Romans 8, 26 and 27. Now let's go to verse 34. It says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit takes your prayers, sees you headed towards sickness, sees you headed towards worry, sees you headed towards lack, sees you headed towards anxiety, and he says, I will intercede. I will create an intersection for them, and I will take their prayers to the throne room of God. And who is there at the right-hand side of the Father? It's Jesus. And what is Jesus doing to the Father? He's interceding for you and me. Jesus isn't praying about himself, Jesus is praying for others. Let me show you this way, Hebrews 7 says this, therefore he, being Jesus, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. So there was an intersection where he saved you forever. And now he lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. So therefore, the most powerful prayers you can pray are not prayers about you, are not about your needs. The most powerful prayers you can pray are the same prayers the Holy Spirit and Jesus are praying, and that is a prayer for others. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit is already interceding for you, you can now do what they do also and pray for others. 
You see, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit wants to help you carry your burden so the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. But by the Holy Spirit, by His very nature, now wants to help you to help carry the burden for others. So the Holy Spirit says, let me carry your burden so that you can go and pray for others and spiritually help them to carry their burden. If you wanna connect with someone, you talk about what they talk about. You do what they do. You become like them. The best prayers we can pray and the best gift we can give for others is to pray short and simple, to pray consistently and make the focus of our prayer others. Can I ask you something? When was the last time you spent five minutes in prayer for another person? Not just, I'm I'm gonna be kind here because I'm talking to myself. Not just a sympathy prayer. Oh God, help them which is what we pray. But five minutes in prayer, bringing to God the need of someone else. Because as the Holy Spirit intercedes and Jesus intercedes, now we're instructed too to intercede. So it says this in 1 Timothy 2 verse one, I urge, it's like an urging. Hey, lift your hand if you wanna have a great prayer life. If you wanna have powerful, effective prayers, then this is the urging. First of all, everyone say first of all. all. Most important prayers you can pray, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for yourself. No, be made for all people. See, your intercession becomes an intersection for another person. That when you realise that there was an intercessor for you, you now become an intercessor for other people. So that when we intercede, we now become the bridge that connects other people with God and the miracle that God needs for their life. Can I give you an example today? Let's say you have a child that's away from Jesus. And I said this was the fir- in the first service today. Uh, to some of younger guys that don't have a family yet, you might be like, why do we always talk about family? I'm not there yet. Can I say, we're trying to deep seed in you the principles for the most important task God could ever give you, and that's to raise a family that follow and love Jesus. So if we talk about things that maybe aren't applicable to everyone, take the principles of what we're saying, but also store them in the back of your mind and in your spirit that one day I'm gonna do this too. Now I pray that none of us have family that are away from Jesus, but at some point, some of us will. So let's say there's a son or daughter that we love dearly that are away from Jesus. How do you pray? You pray like this, God, thank you that I was on a road to hell. Thank you that I was on a road to pain and suffering, yet you, my intercessor, came and made an intersection that took me on a different pathway. That if it wasn't for you, I know where I would have gone. But you saved me, you rescued me, and now I stand on higher ground. So I thank you for what you did for my life. So now I bring to you my son or my daughter, and I thank you that you're their intercessor too. And I thank you that while they maybe don't listen to me, and I thank you that while I struggled to be that intersection for them, I thank you that what you did for me, you can do for them. So I pray that you would protect their minds. I pray that you would renew their spirit. I pray you would remove those friends from their life. And as we begin to pray that prayer, remembering what Jesus did for me, now taking my eyes off me and what they don't, how they don't listen to me, but instead praying for them, I believe we become a bridge in prayer for them to have a life-changing intersection that leads them in a different destination, ultimately to Jesus. 
And for whatever's going on in the people around us, that's the type of prayer we can pray. See, it's there, we know we can pray like that because that's what Jesus did for us. So let me show you this for a moment. This type of prayer isn't a sympathy prayer. What we're meant not to do is pray with sympathy, we're meant to pray with compassion. And see, the difference between sympathy and compassion, both notice the need, but compassion is compelled to do something about it. Let me give you an example I've used before. Year eight, Golden Grove Rec Center caught one. I was playing basketball. Very short, but these legs could move very fast. And someone threw the ball down the court and I ran down the court, I threw the ball in, and then I ran into a large brick wall at the end of the court. It was going very quick. I had a bloody face and I looked down and a bone that was in my wrist was now coming out of my hand. It's there that the umpire walked over to check on me, saw what had happened and went, oh, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But a mum walked up and saw the exact same thing, picked me up and said, come on, let's take you to hospital. What was the difference? The umpire had sympathy, but the mum had compassion. You see, she saw something that she didn't just feel bad for. She didn't just say, oh, I hope you're gonna be okay. Jesus, help him. She said, come on, let's do something about it. You see, Jesus constantly saw a need, but didn't just go, Father, help them. He was compelled through compassion to do something about it. So we see in Matthew, all throughout Matthew and all through the Gospels, but especially through Matthew, he saw that they were sick and he had compassion on them and he healed their body. And then later in Matthew, he saw the crowd and he saw they were hungry and he had compassion so he fed them and later he saw in Matthew some blind men and he had compassion on them and he healed their blindness you see the question I want to ask you today is do you see the need and I mean see the need in others that creates a compassion in you that you don't have just a sympathy that cries out God help them and then walk away but a compassion that says, I have to do something about it. And when you can't do anything else, and even when you can do something, the greatest gift you can give to someone in your world that has a need is to pray for them, to be an intercessor, to pray short and simple, consistent, ongoing prayers for the need and the weakness that is in their life, amen? In fact, if I could show you for a moment in kindness, that if we're not praying this way, we're actually getting it wrong. In 1 Samuel, it says this, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. It is not just a suggestion, it is actually an expectation that as a follower of Jesus, that who is rescued and saved because of his intercession, that I now, like Christ, also become an intercessor, someone that prays for others, amen? amen. So now let me address the question that most of us are wondering. And the reason why most of us, including myself, don't pray often enough for others. We're wondering, well, how can I pray for their need when I've got needs of my own? How can I pray for their healing when I need a healing? How can I pray for their child when I need a child? How can I pray for their job when I need a job? And I think the problem is not that we don't want to, it's that we misunderstand where we sit. 
and we misunderstand who we are in Christ. And if we can understand where we sit, we can then have a different perspective in how we see others. So let me show you from two verses in Ephesians. So where, firstly, where is Jesus interceding for us? At the right-hand side of the Father. So it says this in Ephesians 2, verse six. Now, and God, read it with me, raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where are we? We are seated with Christ. And just to confirm this for you, as you are seated with Christ, again now in Ephesians 1, it says where we're seated. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? If we can, Ephesians 1, we'll put it on the screen. Uh, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, catch this, and seated Him at the right right hand in heavenly places, everyone say this, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. What it means is you are now seated with Christ in heavenly places, catch this, far above any sickness that comes against you, any power that comes against you, any name that comes against you, any dominion that comes against you, you're not with it, you're above it. You are in a different place. You have been risen with Christ far above any oppression, depression, anxiety, sickness, illness or lack that can come your way and therefore you are seated in a higher place far above anything that could try to hurt you. But we think we're equal with it. We think it has dominion over us. See, we only ever become generous and are a blessing to these kids when we realise, well, we're blessed. See, unless we thought, well, I want a present, we wouldn't buy them something. But when we realise, wow, I'm so blessed, you can't help but bless someone else. And we do the same thing in prayer. When we look at our lack and well, I need a healing or I need a breakthrough, we stop focusing on the blessing we're called to be to others. But when we realise because of Christ's intersection, because of Christ the intercessor, I am now seated in heavenly places, which means I am blessed. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am a conqueror with Christ. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am raised and seated in heavenly places, far above everything else, therefore I can and pray for others and be a blessing for others. See, when the devil makes you feel like you're drowning, what's drowning you, you're actually above. Don't let him confuse you. And when you feel you've been given the back end, you've got to remind yourself that you are the head and not the tail. And when you think you're behind, you've got to tell yourself, I'm just so far ahead, I've mistaken myself for last. See, you're seated with Christ. You are seated in high, in high places. So why are we spending our time praying for a better car park? Or for better traffic conditions so I can get to work in time? Or if I can, constantly about my healing, and I believe you should pray for your healing, but when that becomes your sole focus, you forget that you are already healed. 
And when your focus is just on what you don't have, you forget the provision and grace and kindness of God that you've already received. When you realize though that you sit far above, you can change your vision from yourself to then looking to praying for others, which is the same prayer that Jesus prays. Can I give you an example in scripture? And then we'll finish. Maybe just the keys can come. Psalm 23. We start as sheep. Meh. And, 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 and there's some green pastures and cool waters. And it's there. We're just thankful to be saved. As young Christians, we're just thankful because we love water and we dig grass. And we're like, Jesus, you're so good. My shepherd, my saviour, my friend. Look at what you've given me. But Jesus won't just leave you there. So he leads you as the next stage through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's there. You didn't stumble there or he forgets you. He led you there. Why did he lead you through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he wanted to show you what he has overcome. He wanted to show you that it has no dominion over you when the good shepherd is with you. But it's there as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we take our eyes off Jesus and we start to put our eyes on ourselves. On ourselves. It's there that we start to pray prayers just for ourselves. I'm walking through the valley, God, I need a healing. God, I'm walking through the valley, I need provision. I'm walking through the valley, I need peace of mind. I'm walking through the valley. And we pray prayers that are okay to pray, pray, don't get me wrong, but we become self-focused and self-absorbed because we've stopped being thankful to the shepherd and now we're focusing on the valley of the shadow of death that I'm walking through. So Jesus doesn't leave you there. He takes you to the third most mature seats place where he, he prepares for you a table in the midst of your enemies, where you are to sit at that table far above all things. It's there, He shows you what He has overcome and the same shepherd that was kind in the green pastures is the same shepherd that overcame through the valley and now He prepares for you a table, watch this, in the midst of your enemies. You're not seated above nothing, you're seated above enemies, above sickness, above difficulty, above circumstances, above anxiety, but it's there amongst your enemies, you are now seated. You were once a scared sheep, but now you're a seated son. And it's here in this seated place, in heavenly places, far above all things, we're meant to get a different perspective, except we're still just praying about ourselves. And He wants you to realise here in this place, He's taken you far above all things. It's here in this heavenly place we should start thanking Him again for our healing and praying for the needs of others. It's here we thank Him that He overcome our depression and we start praying for the needs of others. It's here we start thanking Him that I'm high above all those things that wanted to take me out. And from that place of thankfulness, I start to intercede and pray for others. You see, you can pray for a job and we should but a job will come and go. And you can pray for your day, and you should. But it turns out there'll be another. You can pray for Australia to win the World Cup, but that's already over. But a prayer you pray for others lasts forever. Maybe we would see more miracles in our church and our lives 
if we all spent more time praying for the needs of other people in this church and in our world? If we only just pray for our own needs, we're a selfish church. But it's unity that commands the blessing. And unity is not sitting together praying for what I need. Unity is sitting together lifting up one another. It's what Jesus did. In the upper room, I would have understood if Jesus prayed for himself. But you know what Jesus consumed himself when he prayed in the upper room? It was for the disciples and friends around him. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he doesn't pray for himself on the cross. He prayed for those that were crucifying him. And now, for all time, forever, do you know what Jesus is praying for? Others, for you and me. So a prayer for others is not about how powerful you pray. And a prayer for others is not about the confidence and the strength and the length of the words you use. But a prayer for others makes God say, oh, me too. We had a beautiful connect group that Shans and I started a number of years ago. And as you do in connect group, which is why it's so important to be a part of, at the end, we pray for each other's needs. And I mean, in this connect group, I mean, we saw every week so many miracles of people getting healed, getting jobs, getting breakthrough, getting houses, getting answers to prayer. And my brother brought his new wife at that point to that connect group and she, she was pretty new to faith. And all she knew is that when we prayed as a connect group, we didn't pray for ourselves. we always prayed for others. And she just learned pretty quickly that man, when we pray for others, God just answered our prayers. So she knew in faith, not knowing much scripture, not knowing how to pray, just talking totally normally, started praying and saying, when we designated who pray for who, she started jumping in saying, I'll pray. And we saw something. Everyone Haley prayed for got a miracle. And it almost became like this running joke. It wasn't a joke, but we would laugh about it. I mean, everyone wanted Haley to pray for them because God would answer Haley's prayers more than us. I remember one of these times, there was someone with a really bad back in the group and they said, I need a miracle. And she didn't even wait for me to say who wants to pray for who. She said, I've got those healing hands, I'll pray for him. And she laid hands on his back right there. The next day he texts the whole group and said, you wouldn't believe it, my back's better. See, I believe that maybe there's something in this that she didn't know any better to start praying for herself first. She never thought that maybe I have to become more religious and more articulate and more understanding of Scripture to pray. She just realised the key to praying was short and simple, consistent, other people-focused prayers. And God went, yeah, Haley, me too. I'll cause an intersection because of your intercession and change the direction of their life. Maybe if you're struggling in your marriage, maybe the first thing you need to do is every day, short and simple, consistently pray for your partner. Maybe there's someone that's hurt you and you can't stop thinking about them. Maybe this is what Jesus meant when He said, bless those who curse you. Maybe you need a healing and you should pray for that. But what if we found someone else that needed a healing and started praying for theirs? knowing the Holy Spirit, Jesus and others are praying for yours. Imagine when we had a need, our first focus was right, I'm gonna be thankful for who I am, that I'm healed and that I'm seated in heavenly places, even in the midst of my enemies. I'm a son, I'm a daughter. So who can I pray for? Imagine if we bless those, 
those others around us that, seen, that needed a blessing when I wanted a blessing. Imagine if we thank God for others when we felt insecure, especially those that seem more secure. Imagine if we spoke well to God about the person that frustrated us. Do you think you would miss out? Do you think Jesus forgets you? He does this forever. No, you won't miss out. And just in case you think you will, let me show you how you won't. We read before Romans 8, 34. And what does it say? It says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised to life, is, say, read it with me, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know what the next verse says that we often quote, but we don't do it in remembrance of this scripture? The next verse, verse 35 says this. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Do you reckon by focusing on others, you can be separated from God's attention? No, it's because He's interceding you forever that you can't be separated, not because you're reminding Him of your needs. And then two verses later, it says this, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him. Who's Him? The one that died, rose again, now sits on the right-hand side of the Father, has lifted us up into heavenly places, far above all things, and is interceding for you. And because of that, you are a conqueror of all that came to take you out in the valley of the shadow of death. So with boldness and faith and love and hope, you can afford to pray for others because nothing can separate you from His love. Nothing can stop you being a conqueror. So it's from that posture and from that vantage point, we pray the most powerful prayers we can pray. It's a prayer for other people. Amen. Imagine if the best gift we gave this Christmas was a choice that at least for all of this month, we're gonna make a choice. I'm going to see the need of others, not just know. I'm gonna say, God, give me such a Christ-like compassion that compels me to pray. And consistently and ongoingly, short and simply during the day, we say, God, thank you that I was on a pathway to pain, hurt, destruction. And even while I'm waiting for my healing, I know I'm healed because you're my conqueror. And now I'm seated. So God, I pray for their need. I thank you that the same stripes that healed me are the same stripes that's healing them. God, do a miracle in their life. Let this be a testimony for your goodness. I thank you that you got me. Oh, I don't feel it right now, but what can separate me from your love? Oh, God, thank you that the same is for them. Imagine if we just simply prayed like that before we walked into the next meeting. Maybe not out loud, but maybe in our spirit. I think not only would we see miracles in their life, but we'd see more miracles in ours as we lent it and trusted the goodness of the Good Shepherd and did what Jesus did, prayed for the needs of others. Amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died 
and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer, or you wanna know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.